Hello, welcome or welcome back. Matthew Grant here. And if you are buying technology or selling it, you probably are wondering how to figure out the value you'll get whenever you are buying or how to explain the value if you are selling. What's your return on investment or sometimes known as total cost of ownership or TCO? Well, this week I'm talking to Roger Frandis, co-founder of We Analyze, and you'll discover how the company is helping insurers generate significant increases in premium through using We Analyze analytics and a very clear and compelling linkage between return and cost. Well, if you're intrigued by what we're offering at Instec, both to those building technology and those of you using it, you'll find everything you need on the website www.instec.co and if you're in New York this week that's from the 6th of June onwards look out for Robin and I we might see each other Roger great to be talking to you you're actually based in the UK although your home country is Spain and I'm sure it's not raining in Spain as it is in the UK just now we might talk about that later on but welcome thank you very much Matthew uh, very excited to be here and yes Spain is uh, always sunny that's the bit I miss. Well, we can bring some sunshine to the uh, to the conversation, even if we can't be there in person. So let's talk a bit about a bit about we analyze. So you're founded back in 2016, Roger. You're COO and co-founder, and the business aggregates third-party data sources, which are used to help commercial insurers validate, update, and enrich the data for their clients. Uh, and some really interesting things you're discovering as you do that. that I've seen myself. Uh, as I mentioned, you're based in London, but your main office is in Spain, and your area of focus is really around the small and medium-sized enterprises. Did I miss anything critical in there before we keep going? No, I think that's a perfect way to to define and describe what we do. Well, before we talk about we analyze, I'd love to just talk a little bit about your own background. And I know you have a story about an area you explored, first of all. So just how did you get here and, and what was your first attempt at, uh, at building a business? Actually, it was not related to insurance at all. What happened was that I was working with uh, my CEO in a consulting firm, and one of our IT developers said that he found an open API on Twitter. So he could download all the tweets mentioning a specific topic. Back then, Bitcoin was a trending thing. Everyone was talking about Bitcoin when it was probably $1,000 or $2,000. And we thought, maybe we can track down all the tweets that mention Bitcoin in order to see if we are able to predict based on the information on Twitter what it's going to be the value of Bitcoin. So we started doing that. We started classifying the tweets into positive and negative. And then we draw charts to see and find if there was any correlation or predictive model to predict the value of Bitcoin. That was unsuccessful. It didn't work at all. It was not predictable. And probably it was a better idea to invest in Bitcoin directly rather than trying to predict the value. But what we realized at that moment was that we had a powerful tool that we could also apply to insurance, as we all had insurance background. And we thought, what if we track down all the tweets that mention that someone is going to do a trip or they are planning a trip? So we can target them with travel insurance advertisements. And that continued evolving. We continued adding data sources. Back then, we were doing individual policyholders analysis. But then when GDPR came out, we switched to SME insurance. We found that we could use the same core, but SME insurance had a lot of space to innovate and also had, let's say, data quality problems to be solved. 
No, it's a great story. And I mean, even the area you're now in, a number of companies have tried and then failed to do what you've done. So you've partly built your uh, your your muscle by trying out the other areas. And as you said, it is quite an interesting reflection that even if you spend a little bit of money that you might have spent on when you were trying to build the Bitcoin business and invest in Bitcoin, you probably would have been very successful. But who's to, so you've ended up doing analysis for SME companies, I suppose, clients for insurance organizations. But what is the problem that these organizations have got that you're now helping them solve? Yeah, so when we started doing this analysis, we realized that between 30 to 55% of a portfolio have mistakes or have data that is not the information that we have nowadays. So there's a misalignment between what's reflected on a policy and what's the real risk. And this is happening because policies get renewed every year. The information stays the same, but SMEs are constantly changing, as you can imagine. In addition to that, we see that the problem is also coming from the underwriting process itself, where brokers input the information about the business, but sometimes they might be missing some bits, for example, if there are multiple locations or if there are multiple activities. So we're trying to solve this in two processes. One is before renewals, just understanding what has changed in that SME before we renew the policy. And the other one is doing underwriting, just enriching that information to make sure that we're not missing anything out. So you've got two examples there. One, the broker's putting information in and they don't do it correctly right from the start. But the other one is also interesting as these businesses evolve or change something changes within the policy that might change the risk profile. What would be examples just to bring that to life of the kind of things you've seen that have changed over the course of the, the policy? So I think the most basic things we see changing are the industry activity and the location. So in terms of location, we see things where the city is completely different. We see companies that are insured in London and they have the shop in Manchester, for example. As you can imagine, the risk is completely different. This is happening because most of the times the business owner registers that address as their own home or they register that address when they create the company and afterwards is when they open the shop. So there's no update on the policy. In terms of uh, activities, we have seen very, let's say, alarming examples. I remember one client was paying an insurance for a shoe shop and when we checked what that business was, it was actually a pharmacy. So the name belonged to the pharmacy, the address belonged to the pharmacy, but the activity was completely different. And as you can imagine, a shoe shop and the pharmacy have a completely different risk. And then what happens in the case of a claim then, for those of us not familiar with how that side of the insurance works? So does that mean that the claim would be invalidated? So you take your shoe shop that's then become a pharmacy, so if there's some slip and trip or, or I guess it could be some physical loss, does that then invalidate the policy because the information hasn't been put in correctly or does the insurer, are they still committed to paying for that and so the insurer ends up with the problem? So I think it's a problem for both, for the SME and the insurance company. For the SME, because they can see that maybe not all the claim is covered or maybe the claim is not paid. But that, that, that's not something the insurance company wants to do. When we talk to insurance companies, they say, look, if we pay half of the claim, then we have a reputational cost we have to assume there. And we might lose this client, actually, before the next renewal. 
if we say we deny the claim, then the business owner can take us to the court. And that means a lot of expenses in legal resources and, and lawyers, and that's not something they want to do. And if they pay the full claim, then that means we're paying a full claim that is not meant to be paid. So the SME has that issue and the insurance company has the issue as well. And what we say is, look, if we just knew what that business was doing, we could avoid all these problems. And where do you find the data? It comes from different sources. Depending on the data field, one source can be more relevant than the other. But for example, activity and addresses comes primarily from the website of every SME. It's the SME who describes in the best way what they are doing. So that for us is a very, very important source. Other sources include Google for Business, for example, so just to understand where that business is located. We get a bit of from companies' house, especially for financial information. We get from social media profiles, which is especially interesting for businesses that don't have a website, like self-employed or contractors. They might have a Facebook page. You can imagine a plumber having a Facebook page. And that can be very relevant to understand if the plumber is also an electrician, for example. And we also track down some financial databases. Okay, so you've got the data, lots of different data sources. I don't imagine you've got individuals literally going through every website for a company. So how, how do you gather that information so it's cost-effective for you to gather it and then sell it to the insurer? Yeah, so basically our solution goes on Google and it's searching the name and the address of that business. That's everything we need to know about the business to gather all the information necessary. And then it starts crawling the information from the website and all these data sources. It's matching if the name is corresponding to the name we found. And then if it doesn't, we might use the name, for example, from the website to repeat the query on the rest of the data sources. I'm mentioning this because sometimes we get the legal name of that company, but we don't get the brand name. So we might get John Smith LTD, but it's, uh, the business is actually called Pizza Italia, right? So we need to find a source where Pizza Italia and John Smith LTD are linked. And once we find the brand name, then we can repeat the query on the rest of the data sources. This is a process that is very quick because from the technological point of view, we're not downloading all the information but we only check that website and only get the little piece of information that is useful for us. And we needed to do it in this way to make the, let's say, real-time underwriting possible. If we needed to respond to the underwriters in a matter of 10 or 15 seconds, this was the only way. So you're connected, presumably, with an API into, what, into the technology that the, all the, the underwriting systems that the insurers are using and then it goes off and checks on the individual submission is that is that how it all works yeah so for underwriting automation that's exactly how it works what it's doing is basically you give it a name and address and automatically you will get the answer of all the form of the underwriting process or at least as much as it can it will give also additional information we see underwriters nowadays are very interested in understanding very specific things. I'll give you an example. We had a client in the US that what they wanted to know is whether the bars and restaurants they were insuring were also doing karaoke at nights. So apparently karaoke, I don't know why, 
increases the risk by a lot. So the way we did it is we tracked down not only all these data sources, but also the comments on social media and the comments on the Google reviews, just to see if anyone was saying something like, we enjoy the karaoke. Because in that case, we can put a red flag on that, take it back to the underwriter and say, hey, we know you're looking for this instead of doing it manually. Here's the information in a couple of seconds. So you could have a great side project or spin-off, which is uh, good karaoke bars to go, or good karaoke bars that are safe <laughs> in a city near you. It's uh, coming soon from We Analyze. And then I just want to run that technology one, Roger. So I know you're partnering with Saitora as one organization, presumably you know, to make that process efficient for the underwriter. And I know that's not all you do, but you, you'd need to develop those partnerships to be able to integrate your solution into other solutions. Yeah, that's correct. We signed a partnership with Saitora. We signed a partnership with Fintech OS. We are having conversations with other potential partners. Basically, the idea is they are good at doing integrations and providing software platforms and solutions to digitize processes. We are good at gathering the data that is necessary for that process. So in a way, they provide the infrastructure and we provide the, the elements. In case of Saitora, they help us to go to these clients. They have a very good portfolio of clients and we help them to fill up all those underwriting and broker information that are blank or are incomplete. Good. Well, we, we had an interview with uh, Richard Hartley a few months ago talking about what they're doing at Saitora and the sort of triage they're doing. I can see how it, it fits very well. So you've got the underwriting application and then you're also looking at it at a portfolio level, aren't you? But you can look across the whole portfolio about some of the challenges people have got and how they can improve some of their financial returns. Correct. So one of the things we do, and I think it's the most basic thing, is to understand how different are your clients to what you think, right? As I mentioned before, the policies gets renewed, but the data stays the same. So we gather all the data, we compare the data with the data the insurance company has, we flagged all the SMEs that have different information. And then we asked the insurance company, what will be the pricing decision if you were using the data we delivered? And the forecast always goes up because the more you know about the risk, the higher the risk is usually. So behind that, the, the use case or the action that the insurance companies take is for those risks that are completely different to what I thought, I will take action and if the risk is higher, I will increase the premium, but I will offer a better and more extended coverage before we get to the renewal point. The result of that is their clients are better insured and have the product they need, but they're also paying the premium that is, uh, that is aligned to the real risk. And as a consequence, insurance companies can see an increase on the gross written premium and at the same time, a better forecast on what the losses are going to be. How would somebody measure that if you want to demonstrate the value of what you're doing? So normally when we establish conversations with uh, insurance companies, we always offer them a demo. The demo is helpful to make this forecast. What we can see in the demo is how much data from your portfolio is wrong we can do the exercise of repricing those clients with the data we're providing, and then we can apply that as a forecast to all the portfolio. The case study that we always present is with a top PNC insurance company in Spain. 
we help them to increase the gross return premium in 4% after one year. They realized that a relevant chunk of their portfolio had data from 10 years ago or even more and was not touched, not updated. And those companies were now way bigger than they were before. So they were able actually to pay more for their insurance and they needed an extended coverage. So for them, it was as easy as just dealing with that renewal, coming back to them and saying, we know you, you grew, we want to grow with you and we want to insure and protect all your assets and all the employees that you have. So for that reason, this is the product we offer you. And that w- it was as simple as that. So 4% of itself is an interesting number, but it doesn't sound that large until you actually think about, I guess, a medium to large insurance company in in Europe could have somewhere like 300 to 500 million euros of premium. Even at 300 million, that's going to be additional premium of 12 million they're bringing in. And that's going to go on year after year because they're resetting their book and then growing it. So I can see why that's a very compelling use case if you're talking to somebody about why to do this, depending on what you're charging, of course, but I'm sure it's it's not as high as, as that price. So they're immediately making a return on the investment in in WeAnalyze. Yes, we, we're not charging anything close to that, <laughs> likely for insurance companies. But yeah, basically, when we talk about gross return premium, the numbers, percentage numbers can seem low. Sometimes it's not 4%. That was the most successful case. Sometimes it's 1%. But 1% of 100 million is already 1 million euros. And we're talking about per year. Once you renew a policy uh, and increase that premium, then that's the premium you have from now on. So it's not a value that we deliver in one year and then we finish, but it's a value that we deliver and it's here to stay every time you renew the portfolio of policies. And not only applies to existing clients, but it's an analysis that is also helpful for businesses that you are underwriting as a new client. Yeah, we analyze the gift that keeps on giving because each year they get that benefit. And then you mentioned Spain. Can you first of all talk about some of the companies you worked with, and I know you had one company that you, you initiated this when you got to your, I guess, what, third iteration of your, your business that you and Carlos were, were launching and, and helped you build the original proposition. We're working with, well, global insurers like uh, Zurich and Hiscox. Our first business unit was in Spain, but we're expanding with them to other countries. And in Spain, we're also working with banks that sell insurance. So that's a, it's a strong market for bank insurance. And the business case is more or less similar. Once you enrich information about uh, businesses, you can better understand what kind of products uh, they need. So with both Zurich and Hiscox as most more traditional insurers, we first started by doing an analysis on what's the state of the data quality of your portfolio, even before defining any use case. And once they saw and realized that there were a lot of things to do, that's when we define the use case. And the state in which we are now is we are providing them an underwriting automation API solution and the brokers input name and address and can complete the quote in a matter of seconds. So it takes time. It takes a, lot, a long time as everything in this industry. But the progression and the evolution is, is quite natural. The power of data applies, I would say, in all the steps of, of the value chain. And what about regional differences? Are you, do you see any national characteristics come out when people are describing correctly or incorrectly what is in their business? Yeah, we see some similarities and some differences. I will start with the similarities. In all countries, data quality is bad. 
<laughs> and when I say it's bad, it can be from 30 to 55%. We don't see a major difference. We've done tests and, and projects in the US, in the UK, in Germany, in France, in Italy, in Spain, also in, in Latin American countries. And it's the same everywhere. Now, the differences we see is are more about how available is open data. So there are differences in how digitized is a country or how many SMEs have a website, depending on the country. So we can see a 30% difference on density. For example, in the UK, 90% of the SMEs have a website. But if you go to a Latin American country, then that can go down to 60%, for example. So that makes the job a bit more challenging. We also see differences on the type of data that is available. So in the UK, we're grateful that we have a company's house because everyone can access financial information about companies, and that's very useful for insurance companies. If you go to Germany, that information is not public. It's protected by the government, and you can only access that information if you pay five euros for one company. And I can tell you, we don't charge five euros per company <laughs> at Winlight. So the German government can make even more profits than we do with that business model. But those are more or less the, the challenges. If we go down to the most basic type of data, which is activity classification and locations, uh, we're lucky enough that that's available everywhere because we have social media everywhere. We have Google Maps everywhere and we have SME websites everywhere. So there, there are no borders in that sense. Yeah, and, and just for our listeners from outside of the UK, I mean, Companies House is worth mentioning, actually, because there's there's very rich source of information on there. The larger the company is, the more there is available for private companies. You don't have that in Europe. In the US as well, it's very difficult or maybe impossible to get information on private companies as well. Uh, and just on that point, are you are you also able to point your analytics to the US or are you focused on, the, on Europe just now and Latin America? So in terms of um, sales strategy, let's say we're focused in expanding in Spain and the UK for now. But our solution, if we talk about that basic data, can be applied everywhere. We have a client right now in the US who's using our data to automate underwriting. So we're open to work with anyone from anywhere, even if we are located in Spain and the UK. Good. Well, I guess on that last point, and you hinted this earlier on, Rogers, as we get towards the end, you mentioned that you part of what you offer people is a chance to get a, an assessment done initially. Can you say anybody listening who's working for an insurance company, insuring SMEs, small businesses, what can you offer them to help understand what you're doing and sort of bring it to life? So anyone who's dealing with SME portfolios, we offer what we call a health check of the data quality. So we can run a simple test with 200 SMEs, name and address, uh, on an Excel file. And we can come back saying, okay, here's how many addresses you have wrong in your portfolio. Here's how many activities you have wrong in your portfolio. Here's all the information that we can find about them. And you can use that information to forecast what's your premium leakage and to forecast what's the potential of gross return premium growth if you had correct information. That's something that we offer for no cost to any insurance company. We can run the analysis in a couple of weeks after signing an NDA. So it's quite a straightforward process. And if anyone is interested, they can just write to me to roger at weanalyze.com or you can visit weanalyze.com where we have a form to request a free demo. 
Great. And we'll put a link in the episode notes as well. And uh, we'll make sure on LinkedIn because I think it's a great way to see it for real. Try before you buy. So Roger, you've, you've also been a, a big supporter of us at our events and, and a member as well. Thank you for that. I also know you've listened to a few of the podcasts. Are there any ones that stand out in particular of our other guests you've listened to? Yeah, I remember listening to the podcast you had with Down from Lloyd's. I think for any startup considering joining the Lloyd's Lab or just getting involved with Lloyd's was a very interesting view on how Lloyd's is structured, what Lloyd's is doing in the market and what's the strategy of Lloyd's. So we're really considering joining the, the Lloyd's Lab in a near future. And I think that podcast was, was key for us to better understand how we can align what we're doing with what the Lloyd's market is asking in terms of technology and, and innovation. Yeah, that was definitely one of the more popular ones. That was episode 226 back in in January. And as you mentioned, the Lloyd's Lab as well. For anybody not familiar with that, definitely worth taking a look. And actually, just whilst we're talking about a quick plug for a report we've got coming out quite soon of all the companies that have gone through the lab. And then, Roger, you kindly agreed to be my uh, guinea pig for something I'm going to start asking people in the future, which is, is there anybody that you would like to hear or and recommend to be a future guest on the podcast? Absolutely, yes. I have my, my good friend, Jay Borkakoti, in mind. Uh, he's head of data analytics for Simply Business. You know, I've met him many times and we always have very interesting discussions around data analytics, predictive models, machine learning. And I think he has a very extended view on how data analytics has been evolving as a science and as a technology uh, within the insurance industry. And he knows very well how it applies to both personal lines and commercial lines. So I think he will be a great speaker. That's great. Well, uh, Travers at Home Simply Business is a member, so that definitely means they can get on. And actually, fun enough, I was talking to Jamie Webb at Castero Brokers, who was asking if we've been talking to Simply Business. So when two people tell me something in the same week, it's definitely a time to go and, uh, and get up and down. And, and I mentioned about the fact you're a member and you know, for a company, you're still fairly early stage. I know you're generating revenue, but every euro you spend is, is carefully thought about. I'd love to hear what it was that motivated you to become a member and hopefully continue to be a member of Instec. Absolutely. So for us, we were planning and designing the strategy to expand into, in the UK market. We didn't know anyone. So when we look at what are the communities or let's say institutions that can enable us to get in the industry and start knowing people. I think Instec is the main reference, not only in London, but in the UK and also internationally. We decided to join and we've been members, I think, for almost a year now. And I can say that more than half of the commercial discussions we're having, we're already negotiating contracts, are people we met through Instec, either at an event or through introductions. So we're very grateful. Thank you, Matthew, and thank you, everyone from Instec, because uh, being with you guys has been very helpful for us. Yeah, well, thank you for your support. And I mean, it is the, the great power of the community. And as you know, and you know, anybody else who hasn't been to those events, and it would be welcome to come along. It's just a, a very friendly group of people, actually, that all want to help each other, all at different stages, you know, early stages like you were, and more advanced stages. And, and it's just great to see how people want to be innovative. And I mean, I also see we're seeing a trend particularly this year with some of the external macroeconomic challenges of organizations like yourselves that have gone out, tested a few propositions, persevered, built a business, and you've been successful in generating revenue. So, you know, congratulations and I look forward to the next the next chapter that we can come back and talk about where you've got to next. But uh, given it's the end of the, 
the end of the day, end of the week, Roger, I'll let you let you get off and uh, enjoy the rest of what is a, a rainy weekend here in, in London, or well, rainy day anyway. But thank you very much. Thanks to you, Matthew. Looking forward for the rain. Absolutely. Well, I hope you found Roger's story as interesting as I did. Now, if you want to know more about Instep membership, including the chance to be on the podcast or on stage at one of our events, then please let us know. Hello at instep.co or track us down on LinkedIn. That's it. We're done.